when you have a child with a visual impairment or some other type of um, etiology, I just think it's profound to be able to kind of go someplace at two in the morning when you're sitting up rocking your child, stressing about what the next step for them or what's developmentally appropriate. I think it's just like it's immeasurable, you know. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. How many of you identify with a specific group or club based on who you are or what you like to do? Maybe they give you a sense of belonging and allow you opportunities to contribute. In the field of visual impairment, an organization that obviously provides those same things to many is NOAA, which is the National Organization for Albinism and Hypopigmentation. If you've ever attended a national conference in our field, you've likely seen their booth, which was probably manned by their director, Mike McGowan, sitting there with their many resources. To give a personal and professional perspective, we have Kathy Garza from TSBBI Outreach and all things NOAA. So I'm Kathy Garza, and um, I'm in my 11th year here at TSBVI. I currently work in outreach uh, as a family engagement coordinator. I'm happy to be here because I am talking about a topic that I'm really passionate about, which is NOAA, um, the National Organization for Albinism and Hypopigmentation. means a lot to me because I actually have albinism, which is a genetic condition. It's recessive, so I received a gene from both of my parents who didn't know they were carriers. Mm-hmm. And the condition itself impacts you know, a person's ability to produce pigment or melanin, skin color, hair color, uh, and mine also in my eyes. So it causes visual impairment, reduced acuity, and I'm also uh, light sensitive, which we call photophobia. Are there any other people in your family that have albinism, or was it were you the first one? We found it on my mom's side. Um, my cousin Joanne is much older than I was. She, I was, I think she was like in her twenties when I was seven, okay. and. But we never found it on my dad's side. It was a a pretty big surprise because my family's Mexican-American, so I'm Hispanic. And when I was born, it was just kind of like this blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby born to these two dark-haired parents, you know, with with darker skin. And so it was kind of like, whoa, wait, what happened here? You know, but my mom, because she had known of the cousin, she, she knew right away. And so talked to the doctors about it right then. So, um, not to get too personal, but <laughs> what was it? What was it like growing up as a child with albinism? Did you knew, know anybody else that had it in your area or anything like that? I grew up in a pretty small town, right. uh, in a predominantly Hispanic town, also, and so I also wasn't super connected with a vision teacher um, or an ONM specialist or anything like that while I was in school. Uh, and if my first teacher is listening, then I will want to acknowledge that we, we pushed those services away. Kind of my family was um, really concerned about making sure that I had the skills to, you know, be a fully functioning adult and weren't really sure 
how intrusive the services would be at the at the time. So we occasionally um, were connected with other families through, I think, I would imagine it would have been through the Region Service Center who maybe said, hey, we have this family and they have a baby with albinism. Would you be willing to connect with them? Uh, and so over the course of my childhood, I did meet a couple of other um, families of kids who had albinism. And then, of course, there's the random sightings in public. You know, you're at the mall and you're like trying to chase down this family, but you're not sure what to say when you, you know, when you run into them. And so, um, but yeah, so I really didn't have a lot of connection with others. I mean, I knew that I wasn't the only one in the world, but I didn't understand really how, um, you know, the scope of, of other people with albinism. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and also with kids with visual impairments, period. Right. In the school I grew up in, you were either like in self-contained or you weren't. And so it was, I was, I felt a little bit out of place in that sense because I did need some accommodations and tools, but not, I didn't feel like I belonged in either group at times, mm-hmm. you know, so. So how did you end up, you know, a, a lot of kids that are visually impaired end up going into the field because they had this great teacher or they just had experiences as a child and with TVIs. But um, how did you end up becoming a TVI? So I actually always said that I would never, ever be a TVI because I only saw my vision teachers um, once every three years for my reeval. Okay. And I hated it because because they had to do the full now I understand the full functional and learning media assessment it would be days that I was pulled out of class and then the other kids are asking are you in trouble are you need more help than what we think or you know and so um when I was doing my undergrad uh at Texas State and in San Marcos I had to I was in education elementary education and I ran into um I was at a field block at an early childhood Uh, like a head start and this parent approached me in the parking lot and said do you have albinism and I just kind of like in my inside I rolled my eyes like oh here we go you know (laughs) like gosh what is this going to lead to you know all the questions about your hair and people pay so much money for it to look like that and you you're so lucky and so I said, yes, I, I have albinism. And she said, are you are you a student at the university? Because I was wearing a badge. And I said, yes, I'm here for a field block. And she just started crying in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, gosh. You know, she said, my, my daughter's three, and she has albinism, and she's in there right now. And I just, I'm just we had no idea what to expect about her future. And, and now here, you, like you're here and you're in college and you're getting a degree and, and it's just really, wow. You know, and so we, we talked for a little bit and uh, now her daughter is actually a student at Texas State. She's oh. grown up now and um, I've kept in touch with them all this time. And But, you know, after that, it was kind of like, I had that experience and another experience where I was asked to mentor a middle school child with albinism in a school um, for extra, you know, as an extra program. And so kind of those experiences, I really felt like they just really kind of pumped you up about your experiences that maybe had otherwise been kind of difficult. And so for other people to see the value in that, I thought, well, maybe this is kind of what I should be doing. So how, where in this journey did you get connected with NOAA? When I was in high school, I did a research paper about um, albinism. I was trying to, knowing that I would have to present on that, I was trying to help my peers maybe understand because I felt like I was really struggling 
culturally, like which group do I fit in? Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, you know, now I feel like everybody's a lot more inclusive, but growing up, it was a little bit, you were kind of supposed to be in either or, or, or you had characteristics that you fit in in one place, but not in others. And, and so I, you know, visited their website and, and they had a section for people who were writing a research paper. And so I knew of them at that point. And then in college, I kind of started, as I was getting my master's, I started looking at it more closely and looking into there. I, I started participating in their albinism online community, which was like message boards and forums and people would post questions. And so then I would, uh, it's like pre-Facebook if there was such a time. <laughs> and so like, you know, I would post there and, and talk to people that way. And then I really started getting involved when, um, when they started doing these big fundraising initiatives in the spring and initially they were bowlathon events and people all over the country would host a bowling event and raise money for the organization and because I had participated in some events albinism specific events during my master's program um, from region 13 with Chrissy Cowan and Deborah Leff I had had this experience where I was you know thinking I'm this well-adjusted adult and then I show up in this room with all these other people with albinism and I'm like almost in tears like oh my gosh look at all these people who are just like me like they know exactly what I've been through and I'm supposed to be like speaking on the panel and the the quote expert in the room and I'm sitting here like bawling like you know talking to these kids and so um that's when I really you know that all those positive interactions I really thought well here's an organization that's giving that to people all the time so you've you've already shared a lot about Noah, but if if someone asks you to just sum up what it is, like, do you have an answer for that? Like, what is Noah? Yeah, it's just magical. That's <laughs> what it is, you know. And uh, it's you know it's it's an organization for for people with albinism and and their families or anyone impacted by albinism. You know, their mission is really to provide information, you know, quality information, accurate and authoritative information about living with the condition. Their their vision is really to see a world where the stigma or with a reduced stigma about mm-hmm. albinism, visual impairment and disability in general. And they want to help people uh, connect with one another and lead rewarding, dignified and fulfilling lives, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that means for each each individual. Have you seen in your life that the stigma has been reduced, do you think? I think it's going in that direction, you know, and I think it just depends on where you are. Uh, here in the United States, I think we've come a long way from movies like, or from the circus, yeah, and from movies like Powder, where mm-hmm. people, this person with albinism is depicted as someone who has magical powers and can conduct electricity. Uh, I think we've come a long way in that regard, but I think right now to me it's about just putting those stories out there about people who really are successful you know and and or who are maybe not even successful i think that's hard to define but leading quality lives and engaging in activities that that people can people who don't have albinism can connect with like you know powerlifting and being on paralympic teams for different sports and um, being models especially in the modeling industry right now there's, I think there's been a big push in the last few years for inclusivity. And so I've seen a lot more people with albinism who are coming out of 
the woodwork as models and who are really getting these jobs. And Target not too long ago ha- featured for their back to school um, a child with albinism mm-hmm. on their website. And so that was kind of a really big deal. I mean, then you know, the United Nations is working really hard because there are some pretty serious issues in some African countries like Tanzania where people are being persecuted for their albinism and they're being brutally attacked and things mm. um, because of the beliefs by some people in the country. And so it's it's that part is where I think a lot of work is is going as well. And I feel like in my role as a TVI that I met a lot of families that had adopted children with albinism mm-hmm. from other countries. Do you yeah. see that in the the NOAA community? There's a lot of adopted mm-hmm. kids. There, yes. And NOAA is, that's one of the things I really love about them is that it's, it's all inclusive, everybody with albinism, it doesn't matter. And so um, I think they've worked really hard at broadening their the scope of the information that they provide and and not only the information but broadening like who they serve and so there's service there's at conferences and and in the albinism insight publication there's sections for like grandparents or there's webinars for and t- uh, teleconferences for grandparents and parents and specifically for adoptive parents mm-hmm. also specifically for families who have kids who have multiple diagnoses besides albinism maybe albinism and autism or albinism and some other diagnosis or or combination of others and so i think that that's really uh, a positive thing but there there are several groups on facebook for adoptive families and at the conference there's like a special there's special sessions and a special gathering and or dinner for those families to connect with one another and share their experiences so I, you mentioned that you did some work with a bowl a thon yeah, <laughs> <bowling laughs> events yeah <laughs> what other ways have you volunteered with noah so I have, after Bolathons, I started um, writing for their quarterly publication, Albinism Insight. And it's a magazine. It's beautiful. Um, the pictures are always really gorgeous. I always look forward to seeing who's going to be on the cover, you know, every time. And so uh, I, I started writing articles in route 2012. And I even for a while had a column called Inquire to Inspire. And so we would basically take questions from the community uh, and try to explore them and answer them from like a professional or TVI perspective. And so then I would like reach out to other families or to other professionals to get perspective on what the answer should be. So it was kind of like a Dear Abby type thing. Mm -hmm. And so that was really fun. Uh, Sometimes people will reach out to Noah and say, hey, I wrote this book about a kid with albinism or a character with albinism or a memoir. And would you be, would you put it on your site? They have a list of kind of recommended readings or suggested readings. And so usually we proof those and read through them. And and there's a committee that will do that Mm. and provide feedback about is the information accurate? Is it you know, does it depict in a positive, you know, appropriate way? Uh, and so that's been really fun because it's been like, oh, here's a new book, you know. And so <laughs> I, I've done that. And one of the big things that I was able to do that I thought was super fun was one of the Inquire to Inspire articles was about uh, getting your child ready for school and communicating with their classroom teachers. And it led to a, a you know, I had this idea, like, wouldn't it be cool if there was this kit of resources or or forms or things that parents could use in case that their child doesn't see their TVI very often like me. And so um, Noah was like, great, that's a great idea. Get on it. You know? And so um, I, I, you know, helped put together a team of people 
from mostly from here. And we had a couple of parent parents who provided input and, and information. And we put together this whole um, toolkit. It's called the NOAA School Kit. And so it was, like, really neat to get to, like, lead a project and, you know, see it through and, and come up with um, different pieces of information for parents. I heard, recently heard, that the conference that's coming up this summer is in uh, L.A. Near, it, like, it's Disneyland. in Orange County, yes. <laughs> Are you um, going, you and your son? Well, <laughs> so... Um, leaking the information yes we are gonna go to disney i'm gonna take him to disney yeah um he you know he doesn't know uh of course because he'll ask me every day and we'll have to do a countdown (laughs) like how many more days till disney but you know I've, i've i've had him enough standing at the tv with eyes wide open saying i want to learn to be a jedi you know the commercials will ask and so we're gonna we're gonna try to do disney um when we go to the conference and i think it'll be really fun my mom you know we we didn't go on big vacations uh big family vacations like that as as kids and so i want her to come and and really also to help with keegan but also you know so she can come and enjoy it too and so i'm really excited to do that with him that's fun i uh I always used to be one of those parents that made fun of Disneyland and the commercialism. Uh-huh. And, and then I took my kids and you're like weeping on Main Street because <laughs> it is so freaking magical. It is. It is. Why. I know. It it's is. like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle all the magic, like the Disney <laughs> and then going to Noah where you're oh, like, you know, right. it's it's such an experience. I mean, in, in 2016, we were in Pittsburgh and it, we were at the Wyndham Grand Hotel and that was the first conference in history to hit more than a thousand attendees. Oh, and so wow. it was like, it was really a cool thing. Um, it was just wow. amazing, you know, and, and it's to just look across the room and there's all these people impacted by albinism, you know, and my mom is like, she went with us to Kansas City for the last conference and she was like, I just had to sit down because I just couldn't find you. I'm used to just being able to find you in a crowd and I just didn't know who you were. And, and my son was running up to all these women with albinism mommy guess what i do you know and he's like oh you're not my mommy you know so that's funny um, yeah so what what impact do you think noah has on individuals and or their families uh, i think that noah really gives individuals with albinism a place to find support and um on things as as little as what kind of makeup do you use or what kind of products do you use to on your hair all the way up to things like I'm about to have a baby I'm a parent without pigment what do I do you know and how am I going to cut their nails and how am I going to find them at the park and you know and and to driving and whether or not you should or shouldn't drive or is it a possibility and so I think that is just huge to just give people a place to be able to ask those questions and to to hear what other um, people have to say. I, when Noah had their 35th birthday, they were asking for video clips about what Noah meant to you. And I just sent one in and, you know, was saying just thanks for making one in 17,000 feel like a small world, <laughs> you know, because it really does. And these people... And now, especially with social media, you connect with these people. And one of the most common things I see is, I can't wait to meet you in person. (laughs) People posting, you know, on each other's comments at the conference. They're ready to meet each other. They might have been friends for years and have never had the chance to actually meet the kids that they're asking about. And and I think for it's kind of the same, I think, for families. I mean, I don't want to 
I don't want to be a, you know, a sellout and say, you know, because I'm a person with albinism. And so I don't want to not advocate for my my people. But I think even for the families, it's even more important um, just being in, in, in the field and now also being a parent, you know, and, and I'm a parent of, as far as I know, a typically developing child. And I question everything about his development. Like, should he be doing this? Should he be doing that? Or maybe I should do this or maybe, you know, and, and just being a parent is so hard at times when, and there's all kinds of parents all around you to answer these questions. But when you have a child with a visual impairment or some other type of um, etiology, I just think it's, profound to be able to to go to a place and have like all of these resources at your hands so how does someone become involved with the NOAA community like what's the easiest way to jump in the easiest way is to go to um, www.albinism.org or you can google search NOAA N-O-A-H albinism and that'll probably be the first thing that comes up and click on the button on the right-hand side that says join. Um, you just fill out a form with your contact information, and it's free to become a member of NOAA. And when you become a member, you uh, have access to, you know, postcards and mailers about events coming up or, of course, email blasts that they do about what's coming up in your area, especially, like, in the, especially in the spring when they're doing fundraisers, they'll send, like, do you know of these events in your area? And... For um, new families who have received a new diagnosis, you can email NOAA, contact NOAA through the website, and they'll send you a welcome kit. And it's got an albinism inside and a little bunch of little gifts for the kid. I think the parent book is in there as well as like a welcome to our community. And so that's a really neat program that they have. For for a small fee, you can... um, subscribe to the Albinism Insight publication. You can get it either via paper or electronically. I I love the paper copies. I just love having a physical book with Mm -hmm. the beautiful pictures and um, you can get that as as well for an additional fee. But to be a member, it's just completely free and they'll keep your contact information in their database and can email you about things or you can connect with them. I think the impact for professionals is, is um, powerful as well. You know, there's a tab on the top that says, I'm looking for information, you know, and I'm an educator. And so mm-hmm. you can click that and there's all kinds of information for educators. One of the big things that NOAA has for educators is the, um, it's called the EDU supplement. So it's, it's albinism insight, but they stream it down, select articles that are um, specifically related to education, educating a child with albinism, and it's free. So you don't have to subscribe to the publication. You can just go and fill out their form um, and get on their mailing list for that. And it only comes four times a year, so it's not like it's a weekly stuff that you're getting in your mailbox. But um, And so it's like six to eight articles usually, and I've been on the selection committee for that in and out. And then the CARE project is another um, project that NOAA has for where they have this database of IEPs. Um, people have, you know, sent in their IEPs for their children with albinism and they're all redacted and stripped down. And you can either search by age or by state to look for IEP goals, ideas for kids. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really great for parents to be able to prepare for their IEP meetings. Um, or ARD meetings, as we say in Texas, mm-hmm. and 
And also for, you know, professionals who are who are like, I'm not really sure what to do with this kiddo because they're really doing well in the gen ed curriculum. And, and so then there's ideas by age and by grade um, or by age and by state. And so that's a really great thing for professionals. Um, and I also just like to take my students to the NOAA website sometimes mm -hmm. when I've had kids with albinism come in for short-term programs and just say, I want you to just check this out and look at this information or I might give them a scavenger hunt. There's a really cool teen spotlight on there where you can go and get information about teens in the albinism community and they have little like a tapestry um, of information about kids in different areas and what they're into and what sports are they in and things like that. And so it's a really cool place uh, for kids who might be struggling with that diagnosis or with feelings of, you know, um, isolation. Yeah, exactly. So with feelings of isolation and so to know that there's others out there like you and, and mm -hmm. that impact, I think it builds that self-determination. You know, for me, being a part of NOAA has been really amazing. Um, you grow up and you get out of school and you think you're well adjusted and um, secure in who you are and just I think Noah just like was like a slap in the face like no you're actually not and here's what you need you know it really filled a place that I didn't know was empty uh, it's like finding a second family do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem they may qualify for free services Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. NOAA's biggest fans may be the parents active in their work. To share what NOAA means to them, we talked to Sarah Venn from South Carolina. Well, my name is Sarah. I am a mother of four daughters. Um, my second daughter, Caroline, is 10, and she has albinism. We got involved in NOAA, um, I think the day that she was diagnosed, she was about three weeks old when she, we got the official diagnosis that she had albinism. And our pediatrician um, just happened to find out an organization that had albinism and gave us the contact information, and I signed up that day. And within a couple of weeks, we started getting emails and information and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think she was about uh, like four or five months old when we went to a um, potluck picnic with a uh, NOAA member that was in, um, we live kind of in the North Carolina, South Carolina border. They were in the Charlotte area. And so we went to that picnic and it was the first time I had met anybody else with albinism. And it was just exactly what I needed. I needed to see um, other kids being kids and just doing all the regular kid things. And that's kind of how we got hooked up with NOAA. Um, really got involved and ever since then I've been, we've been to conferences we've been to the family camp we've hosted local fundraisers and bolathons um, we've met other families in the area and about three or four years ago I was asked to be a parent liaison and what that is is I'm kind of a initial contact person with Noah when a person is um, joins Noah because they their child is born with albinism or they get a new diagnosis of albinism, we try to connect with them and offer support, whether it's through um, appropriate information or making local contacts or helping answer questions and that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of my um, most recent role and biggest role with NOAA. 
So when you met up with somebody when your daughter was four or five months old, did you um, locate them through the NOAA website or did you have a local chapter that you could go to? Um, I think what it was, there was a the family, and I'm still friends with her now, they had recently moved to the area um, and wanted to connect with other people. And so they hosted a barbecue. And Noah, typically when there's any type of event, uh, Noah will send out, um, I think it was either a postcard or an email just to other families in the area saying, you know, come join us for this picnic. Um, and so I got that postcard and I you know, went to that picnic that they were hosting um, for NOAA, and that's how I kind of got involved with the local chapter. I think for me, it's um, the biggest reason for me is because I want Caroline, my daughter with albinism, to know that she's not the only person with albinism. I wanted her to grow up knowing that there was other people like her and other people that can understand what she's going through. Um, as, as a mom, I try to understand as, and understand her condition and the challenges and things that she has, but I'm never gonna understand it like somebody else that has albinism. So I wanted her to grow up knowing that there was other people like her. Um, one of the friends that she met in our very first conference and Caroline was only, she was barely a year old and we went to our first conference in 2010. Um, and there was another family there who had twins and one of the twins had albinism and she was, they were only like, they were less than six months old. They were baby babies. Um, and I became friends with the moms. And since that time, Caroline and Abby have become very good friends. So when Caroline has a tough day at school or she's upset about something, she'll FaceTime Abby and they'll chit chat. And most of the time it has absolutely nothing to do with whatever she's upset about. They just talk about random girl things or whatever they want to show each other in each other's room and that kind of stuff. But she's kind of, she's growing up knowing that there's other people that share the uniqueness that she has. And that's something that I don't think I would have been able to give her if it wasn't for Noah. You know, as a parent, I've, you know, been able to connect with other parents that understand it in a way that, you know, if you don't have a child with albinism, you're not going to understand the unique challenges and, you know, trying to find the right sunscreen or how do you handle going to the playground or can you go to the beach and all that kind of stuff. And it was wonderful, especially when Caroline was younger, to talk with other parents that understood that. And now that as she's getting older and we're moving into, different challenges in school and you know do we use a laptop or a chromebook or what magnifying device should you use or how do you handle um your child that doesn't want to look different and doesn't want to put sunscreen on before recess and to talk with other parents too so that's been another wonderful um, benefit of being connected with, with NOAA. Um, if you go to the NOAA website there is a um, parent link I think it's I don't know if it's new parents or parents um, but there is a uh, website you just fill in your information and say that um, you would like to be connected with NOAA and then that goes to the NOAA database and then we have parent liaisons all over the country so they try to match up the person with somebody who's in the general geographic area and then we try to connect with them within 24 hours is our goal. When your child is diagnosed with a new um, condition or disease or anything, you want to go and research everything. And if you go into Google, you can go down some really dark paths really fast. I remember when I was Googling albinism, um, there's not good information anywhere you go. And you have to make sure that you're looking at correct information, accurate information. And NOAA is a good place to make sure you're getting accurate information and not just Googling whatever pops up. Students with albinism and hypopigmentation aren't uncommon within the population of children we serve, 
and NOAA is a great place to get them connected and to connect ourselves. I've heard so many great things about their biannual conference, and it's clear why their attendees become regulars. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.